Our second scripture reading for today is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 25. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two brother, other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with the father of Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing of every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted and with various diseases and pains, demonics, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And great clouds, crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, and Jerusalem, and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Here ends the reading of the scriptures for today, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I'd like to tell you a fish story today, if I may. Now, this is a true story. It really is. Uh, I know not every fish story is a true story. But I want to tell you a story of, uh, of how I caught the biggest fish I ever caught. And I've been, I like to fish. I grew up fishing. And, uh, but this is the biggest fish I ever caught. I was out at uh, Horseshoe Beach with a friend, Ray. Ray had the boat, and he uh, trusted me to be in the boat with him out there fishing. And we went out, out there. Uh, uh, Horseshoe Beach is just north of Crystal River. Uh, we were after uh, spotted trout and sand trout. That, that's really what we hoped to catch uh, that day. The water was pretty rough, rougher than we expected, but things were going pretty well as far as our catching those fish. But then I saw this really big fish take my lure. Now, and it wasn't a spotted trout and it wasn't a sand trout. It was something, I didn't know what it was. I just knew it was big. And uh, it tore out into the gulf. It kept pulling line out of my reel so fast. It was like, like lightning spreading across a cloudy sky. I mean, this, this fish was, whoosh, he was, he was running. Well, I said to Ray, I said, I'm going to run out, I'm going to run out of line. I mean, he, this thing is taking so much line, I'm going to run out of line. So he cranked up the boat and we chased this fish, you know, <laughs> for fear that my line was going to snap uh, because he was taking all the line out of, uh, out of my, my reel. Well, this went on for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, maybe longer. And I, I finally, I finally turned to Ray and I said, Ray, this fish is winning right now. <laughs> you know, I, I'm wearing out. And my, my hands, 
my my arms my shoulders my back were just aching terribly so i said to ray you know i, I need some help so uh, very carefully i gave the rod to, to ray I, I needed a break from this fish and uh so he said he said now you operate the boat well there was a problem there i had never operated ray's boat <laughs> In fact, Ray never used, let anybody operate his boat. <laughs> but here I was. And so for a while there, I'm sure that uh, Ray thought I was rooting for the fish more than I was rooting for him the way I operated his boat. I finally figured out what I was doing with his boat. And uh, well, that finally that fish finally tired out, finally. And uh, Ray got it close enough to the boat that I could uh, get a net under it. I understand, I hooked the fish. <laughs> so because I hooked it, I can say I caught it, right? Right? Okay, whatever. <laughs> Technicalities there. But uh, probably 30 minutes or more. Now, James, you're shaking your head. I'm like, okay. Well, yeah, I ain't caught until it's in the boat. Okay. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We got that, that fish in the boat. But it was, it was really exciting. It was one of those things I'll never forget. Uh, um, well, I'm getting there now. <laughs> well, we there were other other fishermen out there, and really, I think they were chuckling a lot the way I handled Ray's boat. <laughs> they were we were giving them quite a lot to laugh about. But uh, we did finally get a, another fisherman to come up, and we we didn't know what it was. So he said he said that is a Jack Carval. Jack Carvel, y'all familiar with Jack Carvel fish? We weren't either. <laughs> but uh, he said that's what it was. He said they're, they're not good to eat. You know, don't, don't, don't take it home with you. But we weighed it, right? Have to weigh it. So we weighed that fish, 14 pounds six ounces. So that was that was a that was that was a big fish for me at least. Uh, and unfortunately, we didn't have our phones with us we had no cameras so again you gotta this is all by faith folks that's <laughs> all by faith I, I caught that 14 pound six ounce jack corvell well you know as i thought about that later that that fish didn't want to be anywhere close to our boat right he didn't want to be any place close to our boat i wanted to get him in the boat as james has mentioned so there were two wills here. There was the fish's will. He wanted to get out of there, get as far away as possible. <clears throat> and there was my will. And of course, with a lot of help from Ray, our will triumphed over the fish's will. After struggling quite a, while, quite a while, the fish finally did get in the boat. He did get in the boat. And you know, in the Bible, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says that God desires everyone, everyone, to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. That, that's, that's God's desire, for everyone to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. God wants everyone to be a part of his kingdom. He wants everyone to understand what living in his kingdom is all about. Now, while that fish was in the gulf, he was in his own kingdom, right? He was in his kingdom. Uh, the place where he could most easily exercise his will against my will. But once he was in Ray's boat, 
He didn't have any will anymore. He didn't have any will. He was in a completely different place, and he was under our control. He couldn't swim away from us anymore. Once he was in the boat, he was in our hands. Again, we let him go. We let him go, but we, we, he was in our, in our control. And the Bible teaches that all of us are born with a hostile attitude towards God. We basically don't want to obey God. That's what it comes down to. We all want to do some sort of race away from God, one way or another, one form or another. Our nature, the Bible says, is to be at enmity with God. That's the word it's used, which basically means to be at war with God. That's how we're born. That's the nature every one of us is born with. Just as that fish's will was pushing against my will, we, from our nature, push against God's will. We are born with a desire to move away from God, not towards Him. We don't naturally desire a transformed relationship with God. It's just not natural to us. You've heard of the phrase, original sin, if you heard that, that statement. That's what that, that's what that means. We're born with original sin. We're originally born to sin. <laughs> that's just who we are. And uh, the Apostle Paul speaks about this. This is a, one of the ugliest passages of Scripture you're going to read in the Bible. Uh, this is in Romans chapter 3. Uh, Romans chapter 3, I'm going to begin reading at verse 9. There it says, What then? Are we any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, <clears throat> both Jews and Greeks, are under the power of sin, as it is written. There is no one who is righteous, not even one. There is no one who, who has understanding. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. There is no one who shows kindness. There is not even one. Their throats are open graves. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of vipers is under their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing, bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery are in their, in their paths. In the way of peace, they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Tough passage, right? That's a hard passage. But again, it's talking about how we start out. We don't really give up whatever about God. And that's what he's trying to say here. And then when he was writing to the church at Ephesus, he said this, You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses. And we were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. Again, not a pretty picture of human beings, of humankind. We're swimming in our own kingdom. We're pushing 
swimming the way we want to swim, doing our own thing. That's what Paul's trying to say here. And it becomes troublesome, becomes ugly. In different ways, it becomes, it becomes ugly in our hearts, our minds, becomes ugly in our relationship. It's just ugly. It's just ugly, is what he's trying to tell us. See, to be, to be a Christian is to be surrendered to God. It's to allow His will to rule over our will. Again, that fish finally did not have the strength, the will to resist. Ray and R's will to get him in the boat. You see, God demands unconditional surrender from us. He wants us in His boat. He wants us under His leadership. You see, to be saved is to no longer live in our own kingdom, exercising our will against God's will, doing our thing. To be saved is to live obediently in, under, and with God's kingdom. So Jesus told his disciples to follow him, and he would teach them to do what? What would he teach them to do? Be fishers of men. He would teach them to catch people. Jesus wants to use those who have surrendered their lives to him, those who are in a saving relationship with him. He wants us to get people into his boat with him. The key thing to helping others into Jesus' boat is that they see us truly following the Lord. People need to see the truth, the reality, that living according to God's will, under God's will, is so much better than pushing against being, being against God's will. It's such a better place to be in life. If people see us living under God's will and being blessed by doing so, then our lives may be part of the, of the tackle that God uses to draw others into his boat. I never forget my roommate my freshman year at Penn State. John, John and I, we, we, we were like oil and water, <laughs> living in the same room, dorm room together, but we had so little in common. Uh, I, I, went, I went to Penn State seeking all the help I could get because to me it was a pretty scary place. I mean, I was just a country boy <laughs> and this was like all these people and everything going on. And, and John was a city slicker boy from Washington, Pennsylvania. I mean, he, he, was, he was cool about all this stuff. Well, I got involved with the Campus Crusade for Christ ministry. I got really involved with it. And uh, he, my roommate, John, he thought, boy, he is really, <laughs> is he really nuts? <laughs> He's really nuts. Um, but I tried to live out my faith with my roommate more than anyone else. And I'll never forget, it was, it was the greatest compliment I've ever received in my life. Near the end of the school year, we were going to bed, and my roommate, we were just talking. And he said to me, he said, you know, you know, Gary, I'm convinced that you, can, you could fall into a hole full of manure. He didn't use the word manure, but he said, you could fall into a hole full of manure and come out with a brand new suit on. <laughs> you know, he was seeing God's blessings in my life. 
and his respect grew. And he, after all, I didn't think I was quite so cuckoo, you know. Uh, but I'll never forget that, how, how he, he just made a, a, a 180. And we, we were friends, and we remained friends. But that's what I'm talking about here. People need to see it. And I'm thankful to God that my roommate saw something in my life that made him see me in a different way than he did initially. You know, the Bible tells us to present our bodies as living sacrifices to God, lives which he may use, if you don't mind me using this word, as bait in drawing others to himself. Do you like to think of your life as a, as your life as a bait? <laughs> Maybe not. But it, but it is. We're bait. We're bait. We're we're. We're what God wants to use to draw people to Himself. In uh, in Romans chapter chapter twelve, um, beginning in verse one, G Jesus says. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm, excuse me. Paul says, "I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice." holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And what do the people around us want to see? They want to see the perfect will of God, the death of lives. Now, um, th the word perfect there doesn't mean perfection. It means maturity. But the people around us want to see are mature people handling life maturely and not going boncos anytime any bad news comes from the doctor's office or someplace else. They want to see lives living out the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Jesus said to his disciples, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him or her to me. And as we follow Jesus, allowing him to be our Lord, God may use our lives to draw those around us to him. And what we're basically saying is, please surrender. Please surrender. Stop fighting God. Stop pushing away. It's not worth it. You're not going to be happy or content. And it's true that we, we, even as Christians, we still struggle. We still want to say no to God sometimes, right? We still want to push back, even though we, we know we shouldn't. But we, we are to, to, to call out to people. We are to call out to people who, you know, there's a lot of people, even though there's a church on every corner of America, it seems, there's still people who just don't understand who Jesus is why Jesus came to planet Earth and, and why they should be connected to him. They, they, they don't understand. They don't have an understanding. And so they can't really respond. Um, you know, I, I went to Sunday school and I went to church growing up. But somehow it wasn't until someone sat and eyeballed me, eyeball to eyeball, talked with me about the gospel, about following Christ as a college student that it really began... I began to understand. And what I need, and not everybody needs this, thank God, 
But I needed two eyeballs looking right at my eyeballs and talking. To me. That's what I need personally uh, to, to, to be directed. And, you know, there are folks who, who just don't really care about spiritual things. You know, there are folks who are, they want to deal with the, the here and now, not pie in the sky, by and by stuff. No, they don't want, want to deal with that. So we need to be salt. Jesus said, you are the, he's speaking to his disciples, you are the soul of the earth. So we need to live lives that help people get thirsty. Somehow get thirsty to, to look into Jesus and the kingdom of God. You know, there's pride. I think uh, part of the challenge a lot of folks have in surrendering, getting into Jesus' boat is, I'm too tough for that. I'm too tough for that. I'm too tough. I'm too smart. I'm too whatever. I'm too, I don't need that religious stuff. I don't need Jesus. I can, I can, I can go on my own, right? Have you ever known anybody like that? Oh, I, I don't need that. You know, churches for women and children, you know, not, not, for, not for, you know, that kind of attitude. And there's this pride. There's this pride. And, uh, and they say, I, I, don't need, I don't need a crutch. I don't need a crutch. Jesus is a crutch. I don't need a crutch. Um, but to me, my relationship with Jesus is, gives me the capacity uh, to break down my fears and my anxieties. And my faith in Jesus gives me the freedom to live. He's not a crutch. He's, he, he, he's, enabl he's an enabler uh, to live. And sadly, some folks are not in Jesus' boat because of some form of immorality. And what I mean by immorality is that some folks don't want to give up their pornography. They have, they, they, they know, they know, they, they understand. You can't be a Christian and be viewing pornography all the time. That, that doesn't work. That doesn't mix. Uh, and you, 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 you can't be a Christian and live a deceitful life. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. You, you, you can't be a Christian and be gambling away your life savings, hoping to hit the big one. That doesn't work. You can't be corrupt with Uncle Sam or a business uh, and be, a, you know, they, they understand, but they don't, they don't want to give that up. They don't want to give up whatever form of immorality they're involved with. They don't want to give it up. That's, how, that's what they want to hold on to. And again, we need to help folks realize that immorality of any, any form enslaves us, it makes, makes us slaves. That's what Jesus said. Uh, the one who sins becomes a slave to sin. Jesus wants to free us from slavery to, to any, any form of immorality that, that, that we might encounter in life. He wants to free us. It's better to be in Jesus' boat under his control than be controlled by a substance of any, any type or by pride or by pornography, gambling, or you name it, whatever. Some folks just love to be hyper-political. 
I mean, they will, at a moment's notice, just dump all the political thoughts they have on anybody who will give them one moment to do so, you know? Uh, it, it, it's an addiction. It's an addiction. And it's not a good addiction. It's not a good addiction. God, Jesus doesn't want us addicted to sin. If you have called upon Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord, then rest assured that He wants to teach you to fish for people. He wasn't just talking to Peter and James and John that day. He, what did He say? Go make disciples. Go evangelize. And that, that message is given to every Christian. So if you, if you say here today, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm one of His, then okay, you're a fisherman also. They're the, they're the same things. They're one of the same things. They're one of the same things. You see, there's nothing more important that we can do with our lives than to use our words, our attitudes, our actions, our talents, our time, our treasure, and our prayers to get people into Jesus' boat. That's the most significant thing any one of us can do with our lives. Because the people who get into his boat are going to be with you forever and ever in heaven. And getting them into the boat, praying for them and encouraging them, is what we need to do. God is drawing people to himself in his boat. We need to ask ourselves, how willing am I to allow him to use me, use my life? to have that happen. I wanted to mention as we sing our closing hymn, please feel free to come forward for prayer as we sing our closing hymn, or even after the service is over. I understand there's been a tradition here at Christ Church for folks to come forward for prayer. So we want to keep that up. The only thing I ask is don't, don't come down this aisle or that aisle. Please come down this aisle and go here, because we've got so many wires here, I'm afraid someone might trip They come down this aisle or that aisle. So if you'd like to come for prayer and have others join you for prayer, please feel free to do that as we sing our, our closing uh, hymn. And even after the service concludes, feel free to remain here for prayer if you'd like. Well, let's stand now and let's join in our, our closing hymn at this time.